Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, uh, hello again. If you're new with us here uh, at the West Campus or at the East Campus, you don't know me. Maybe you're the guest of a family member in from uh, out of town for the holidays. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. It's my privilege to be with all of you here today. Uh, now, today is a unique day at Community of Hope because we say that sometimes we use the power of video technology and broadcast stuff to stream to our East Campus. And so we're going to be doing that today specifically. We usually have live preachers on our locations, but from time to time, we're going to use video. So let's all give it up for the East Campus. East Campus, make some noise where you're at. We are one church. We are one church in two locations and yes, in two languages with COH Espanol as well. I'm not speaking Spanish today though. Sorry to break it to everybody. And so uh, just from time to time, we're going to use video to unite our campuses, sometimes for strategic purposes and weeks like this, it's for scheduling purposes. Almost all of our preachers are out of town. Almost all of them are out of town. And Pastor Dale is in North Texas this week specifically. He says hello and hi to everybody. So Dale, good to see you. Enjoy your vacation. He says he's getting ready to bring it for Christmas. And so he's going to come back fired up for this series. And it's going to be it's going to be great. Now, so because almost everybody is out of town, guess what? All y'all here and at East, you get me. So there it is. There we go. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for clapping. You actually made me feel better about myself. Okay, that's good. Hey, so here's what we're going to be doing today. We're launching a brand new series we're calling Fear Not for the season of Advent leading up to Christmas. Now, if you're new to church or it's been a while since you've been to church, Advent is what's known as the traditional season leading up to Christmas that Christ followers celebrate. It's four weeks long. Um, there's some other traditional ones. If you ever went to like a traditional church, the traditional colors of Advent are purple. So I wore the most purple thing I had in my entire closet to try to resemble that. And so here's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks in this series. We noticed in our study with the, our teaching team here at Community of Hope that there were four phrases used in the nativity passages and the advent passages in the scriptures leading up to the birth of Jesus. And four times, four angels specifically, we're not maybe necessarily four different angels, but four times at least an angel says one phrase again and again in the passages leading up to the birth of Jesus. And it's this phrase, do not be afraid. The more traditional translations of the scriptures into English say things like fear not. And so we see this over and over again. Do not be afraid. And man, we need this like now more than ever in our culture. Did you know that the number one mental health issue in our nation is fear and anxiety? Number one, man, we need to hear this stuff. Uh, pastor and author Max Lucado, he wrote this about fear. He said, each sunrise seems to bring fresh reasons to fear. They're talking about layoffs at work, slowdowns in the economy, flare-ups in the Middle East, turnovers at the headquarters, downturns in the housing market, upswings in global warming, breakouts in Al-Qaeda cells. News programs disgorge enough hand-wringing information to warrant an advisory, quote, caution this news report is best viewed in the confines of an underground vault in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> 
He says that we fear being sued, finishing last, going broke. We fear the mole on our back, the new kid on the block, and the sound of the clock as it ticks us closer to the grave. We sophisticate investment plans, create elaborate security systems, and legislate stronger military, yet we depend on mood-altering drugs more than any generation ever in human history. And he says, moreover, ordinary children today, and he's quoting from a journal, ordinary children today are more fearful than psychiatric patients were in 1950. Man, we need to hear this message that was bundled in with the Christmas message of the coming of Jesus. We need to hear this. Um, do you remember the top command you heard from your mom or your dad or whoever raised you growing up? Like, what was the top thing they said to you over and over and over again? Don't, don't touch that. Okay. Maybe you're shouting out at the East Campus too. Everyone's really zealous here at the West Campus. Um, there's a, So me growing up, my parents, it was this for me. It wasn't don't touch that. It was stop fighting with your brother. Anybody else have that one? Okay. Um, mine for my kids and my son is in here today for all in weekend. We say listen fast. Kate, do you hear listen fast a lot? Here's, um, no, no. Okay. And so we say all these things a lot. Do you know what the top command of Jesus was? In the scriptures, in the four gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are the four different ancient autobiographies of the life of Jesus that's found in the Bible. Um, Jesus gives 125 direct commands to his followers. And the top category, number one, taking 21 of the 125 direct commands of Jesus are some iteration of don't be afraid. It's the top command of Jesus. Even beating out things like love God and love your neighbor. That's only said eight times, 21 times. Do not be afraid. We need to hear this for today because we are sick with fear. And so our theme verse for this series comes from the gospel of Luke. And the words of the angel making this pronouncement comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And uh, if you reach it to your connect folder, what you can do is you can grab and we have a scripture memory card in there for each of you to help you memorize this passage over the next few weeks. So Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Let's read it out loud all together, West Campus and East Campus all together out loud. Ready? Go. But the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Very good. So let's work on that for the next couple of weeks. Now, one thing that's also taking over our culture next to fear is a plethora of streaming services. Uh, so everyone has Netflix, but then just a week or two ago, Disney came out with their own Disney Plus. Anybody here have Disney Plus already? <laughs> like the whole room. I don't know about East, man. It's crazy. So um, here's the deal. Uh, on day one, day one of the launch, Disney had 10 million subscribers to their streaming service. Pretty crazy. And you can watch brand new shows like The Mandalorian, Star Wars Nerds. Where are you at? It's so good. It's so good. Um, so you can watch that or some movies that aren't so new and a little classic um, and remember some fantastic movies that you now just have at the tip of your fingertips in your remote. Uh, one of them in particular came out about 10 years ago. Anybody remember the movie, uh, the Pixar movie Up? 
Up. Oh, man, it's such such a good movie. So if you are not familiar with Up or it's been a little bit, let me catch you up on Up. See what it did there? <laughs> okay. So in case you don't remember, let me catch you up about this movie. So the movie is about two characters in the beginning named Carl and Ellie. You know, Carl and Ellie became childhood friends who eventually fell in love with each other and they got married and they bought a home to live happily ever after. Very heartwarming. And they have dreams of a baby and building their family. As you can see in the picture there, they're painting their nursery. But then they receive terrible news at the doctor's. And their dreams are dashed and they learn that they are unable to ever have children. It's so sad. And so it transitions from there to where they, okay, that dream has died. So they start dreaming a new dream of building their dream home and their dream location in Paradise Falls. And they begin to save for this dream home and this dream location one day. But then life has a way of happening to all of us, doesn't it? And then they eventually have flat tires and hospital stays and home repairs. And they have to continually go to this dream fund of theirs to build their dream home. And life keeps stealing from their dream account to fulfill their dream home. And so the montage in the beginning movie continues to go on. They grow old together. And then later on, Carl decides to buy tickets to travel the world in their old age and fulfill their adventure dreams. They've dreamt their whole life together, only to discover that Ellie in her old age has an illness that will claim her life. And they never get to go. And she dies. And with her dies the dream. All right, everybody. Both locations. Deep breath. It's so sad. Can somebody please remind Pixar to make a kids movie for crying out loud? I mean, like, wear some slapstick comedy. Jeez, make some bodily noises or something, Pixar. Give me a break. I saw Up one week before I got married. I was an ever-living mess. I looked like this in the movie theaters. It was horrible. It was horrible. My wife looked at me, and I'm not a cry. She's like, are you going to be okay? I'm fine. <laughs> it was devastating. And that was just in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Now, luckily, the movie doesn't end on a note like that, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. But my goodness, it pulls on people's heartstrings because a lot of us can relate to what that feeling is like. And that feeling that up pulled on is what we're talking about today. And that feeling of fear that this beginning of the movie tugged on. And a common fear that many of us struggle with is what we're talking about today. So on your sermon notes, if you haven't grabbed them, go ahead and pull them out now. And we're going to have the scriptures on the screen. We're going to go in Luke 1. We're going to rewind one chapter. Luke 1, verse 5, for our first scripture, for fear not. It says this here. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by law according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the title of tonight's and today's message, I should say, excuse me, of today's message is missed it. Would you pray with me? Father, your word says of you that you are love and that your perfect love casts out all fear. Send the Holy Spirit to fill us with your perfect love, the love of Christ, and to cast out our fear. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, so... Let's unpack what we just read uh, just for a moment here. Um, only of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke record the events of Jesus' birth. Mark and John start right at his adult ministry. Uh, much of Luke's account that what we're reading is taken, uh, what people say is from the perspective of Mary, Jesus' mother. So it's Mary and her family, Elizabeth and Zachariah, or Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. So a lot of this take from Mary's perspective. Some scholars say Matthew is more from Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, and from his perspective, his earthly adoptive father, I should say. Um, this is the beginning of the story of Jesus' older cousin, John the Baptist, who would go on to prepare people's hearts for Jesus' coming. And every instance when we read of what we're going to be looking at in the next couple of weeks of do not be afraid is uh, meant literally because when they saw an angel, it terrified them. Uh, if you think an angel is a cute baby wearing a diaper with wings and a harp, you have an unbiblical picture of angels. An angel is more like a 10-foot-tall biker dude with a flaming sword here to kick some heavenly you-know-what. Man, <laughs> that's an angel, a divine warrior is what often angels are. And so if you saw somebody like that, it would scare the bejesus out of you too. And so often literally we say, don't be afraid. They're saying, don't freak out. I'm here to tell you good things. Now, but what's true in this series is even though that's literally what happened, we're speaking to their initial terror. What's happening is we're peeling off a layer where there's metaphorical truth that's in every single one of these stories about fears that we all struggle with. And so the fear that we're talking about tonight, let's look at this. It's in 1-7. It 
It doesn't say explicitly, but if you see with eyes, with spiritual eyes, you'll be able to tell. It says, uh, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, underline that phrase. And here's the other phrase, they were both very old. Um, unable to conceive is really that they were unable to fulfill a dream of theirs. And they were old means that they were running out of time. They're running out of time. So tonight we're talking about the fear of missing it. The fear of missing it. We fear each of us to varying degrees of missing out on something in life. Uh, we fear not being able to attain our dreams before we run out of time. And this shows up for a whole variety of different ways and situations. Um, there are many things we fear we'll miss. Some people fear that they're going to miss their calling or their purpose or the career that they were supposed to have and that they missed it. Some people fear finding love and marriage, and this is a deep ache for single people early in life or later in life. The what if it never happens for me and I miss it. Some people fear not hitting a goal or achievement that they have as a lifelong dream of theirs and that they might miss it and they run out of time. Some people fear not being able to restore a broken relationship that they want to reconcile. And man, the, just the obvious one in this passage is people's fear, um, especially, uh, it's just right there in the passage, it's the pain of infertility. The Bible is full of people who have the deep longing and ache to have children and are unable to. And many, many people in our church have struggled with this deep pain and ache. And it's just not talked about enough where people are scared to even say it because it's such a hard struggle. And people fear, what if it doesn't ever happen for me? We fear missing it. The book of Proverbs talks about this. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, the first half of the verse, it says here that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is true, what this fear does to us. When we have to wait for a dream of ours and we're scared that it's never going to happen, it makes us sick. And this is how it does it. If you're a younger person, it makes you sick with fear and anxiety. If you're somebody who's a little bit older in life, it makes you sick with despair and regret. With despair and regret. See, our struggles are different depending on what stage of life we're in. And either way, this fear lies. It says to people, I've missed it. And it says, it's too late. Many of us have dealt with some sort of iteration of, it's too late, and I've missed it. And the good news is today is that I believe that there is an encouraging word here in this passage that it's my job here as a pastor to help shift your perspective, to challenge your walk with God, and to show you, do not be afraid. So here's the first thing that we can see from this passage, one from the life of Elizabeth and Zachary. If you're taking notes, I'll write this down. East Campus, write this down. Uh, it's this. One, it's never too late to follow. It's never, first of all, too late to follow 
It's never too late to follow. Look at this in verse six. It says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, this is really important for me as a pastor because sometimes people make the wrong assumption about others that, man, if things aren't going perfect in your life, then it must be your fault and God must be punishing you. And that is just not true. You could see in this passage here, in God's sight, in God's sight, they were blameless and following him with all of their hearts, and yet they were still waiting on with unfulfilled longings and dreams. So don't ever let anybody equate that to you, and don't equate that over other people. It's just not true. It's just not true. And what we could see from this passage is that even in the waiting, even in the longing, even in their disappointment, they were still wholeheartedly following God. Man, to follow God when things aren't perfect and when your dreams aren't fulfilled yet, that shows real spiritual maturity. Pastor Andy Stanley said this. He um, said, I am way more inspired by the people who have the kind of faith that can endure a no from God than those who claim their faith arm twisted a yes out of him. That's real deep faith. Deep faith and deep trust in God beyond circumstances and beyond some of our dreams that may or may not be on hold. Um, last week at the East Campus, I'm not sure if I mentioned it here at the West Campus if when I was here on a Saturday night, but I mentioned to everybody last week that um, uh, about the love languages. We're all familiar with the concept of love languages. Gary Smiley wrote that book, and there's touch and time and gifts and service and words of affirmation. All of us have different ways we give and receive love. I'm a words person. My wife is a service person. So if she wants to make me feel loved, she just has to say nice things to me. That's it. And if I want to make her feel loved, I just got to do some dishes. <laughs> and all the ladies said, yeah. okay, God's love language is obedience. You want to know what would really touch the heart of God? for you is to follow him with all your heart when even you have a dream on hold and to follow him when there's not like a proverbial carrot hanging in front of us, but to follow him just because he's worthy of it. That will bring tears to the eyes of your heavenly father. His love language is obedience. It's never too late to follow God. Now here's what else we learned. It's never, ever too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. We could see in verse 13, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, it's obvious from this passage that they were still praying, still aching for a child. Later on, when we hear from Elizabeth, she says, God has heard my prayer. Take it away, my disgrace among the people. They were still praying for this. Even when they felt like they were in the fourth quarter, they weren't giving up. They kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. What do you know? That makes a difference. Jesus taught about prayer one time. He said in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
And Jesus would go up there to tell a parable of what's called a persistent widow, where there was an old woman. He told him this story, this word picture, who kept going to this judge and nagging this judge and nagging them and nagging them and nagging them for justice over and over and over again and annoying this judge until the judge did what the woman was requesting. And Jesus says, that's good prayer. Really? Um, today, I drove back from uh, Tampa. I was celebrating Thanksgiving with some of my family over there, and my kids were in the car, and they, uh, in the car, we try not to, you know, have screen time too much. You know, we know that's not good for anybody, regardless of what age you are. There's a certain point where the kids got bored, and they said, can we watch something? No. Can we watch something? No. Can we watch something? No. How about now? Can we watch something? No. And we kept going on and on and on, on until finally, eventually, like, Fine, yes, you can watch something. Go for it. Knock yourselves out. And Jesus says, that's good prayer. Really? To nag God is good prayer? And what Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. It's not nagging. It's persistence. Good prayer Sometimes the spiritual realm is mysterious and the scriptures talk about there's a war that's unseen happening between good and evil. And when you pray, you're pushing in for good to break in here on earth just as it is in heaven. And it takes sometimes somebody who will just not give up regardless of what they see in their circumstances and to keep petitioning heaven. And what do you know? Even in the fourth quarter, in the two-minute drill, God shows up. But can I just say, way too many of us quit in the third quarter. And we quit praying because we get too discouraged and we give up. And what we can learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah is no matter what dream you're waiting on, your fear that you're going to miss it, Don't give up praying. You never know what God might do. So we know that it's never too late to follow God. It's never too late to pray. We see from this passage, this is really the clear, resounding message that we hear in this. It is never too late for God to answer. It is never too late, no matter what dream that you fear you're going to miss. It's never too late for God to answer. And this is just a logical observation from this story. There's no verse I'm going to quote for you, but it seems, how do I want to say this? Logically, just follow me. This seems like a late answer from God to give them a child late in life, doesn't it? Like, man, they waited a long time. Well, at least God delivered, but he was late. God's never late. He's never late, ever ever late. Think about this with me. If John had been born earlier in their life, John couldn't have fulfilled his purposes of preparing Israel for Jesus. See, many times in our lives, let me tell you, God is slow, but he is never late. God is slow, but he is always, always on time. He is always on time. And I want to shout with all the faith that I have today for some of you here and some of you at the East Campus. I don't know who you are. I just want to say it with all my heart to you. If you're not dead, God's not done. 
If you're not dead, God is not done with you and your life. You need to hear this. There's a temptation for many of us when it looks like all hope is lost to put a period at the end of a dead dream. And God would challenge some of you today with the most audacious faith that you can muster up to take an eraser, erase that period, and put a comma instead. And some of you over your dreams the most faith-filled thing you could do today is to write over those. God is not done yet. He's not done yet. The scriptures talk about Abraham. And Abraham was an old man, and his wife Sarah was old, just like Zechariah, just like Elizabeth. Listen to what Paul says about them. It's the same situation. They could not bear children. And yet Paul talks about this, about Abraham. Romans 4, 19, he says, without weakening in Abraham's faith, in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Man, Abraham was 100 years old when God came through. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead Israel out of Egypt. And Colonel Sanders was 65 when he started KFC. (laughs) Finger licking good, baby. If you're not dead, God's not done. I just want to cut and break every discouraging thought off of you that it's too late. If you're not dead, God's not done. Put a comma at the end of that sentence and not a period and write over your dream. God's not done yet. He's not done yet. Now, I need to clear my throat. I'm preaching too much. Now, let me have a pastoral word for all of you. For some of you, the application for our message state is to grow your faith and don't give up and push on and persist because God's going to break through. But it would be pastoral malpractice for me to not say that sometimes it is true that the dream does die. Sometimes the child does not come. Sometimes the wedding bells don't ring. Sometimes we get laid off from the dream job. Sometimes the person who is sick does die. And I want to speak a pastoral word to some of you who have had a dream crushed in your life. And this want to say to you that it's never too late to dream again. It's never too late to dream again. This is for those of you who've had your heart broken and who've had all your hope stolen. This word is just for you. There's a passage from the Old Testament from the prophet Jeremiah that says this in Jeremiah 18. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. 
So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And some of you, your life has felt this way. And I can just feel it. There's people at the East Campus, I know specific, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I can feel that I'm talking to somebody there right now. Some of you, your life has felt like this, marred, damaged, blemished, broken, ruined. And some of you have come here today with lives that feel this way, that you have missed it and that you blew it either through your own sin or maybe the sin that somebody else did to you that wasn't your fault at all. Or maybe it was just the result of a broken world that dashed your dreams. For whoever you are today, Jesus has an invitation for you this Christmas. He wants you to bring your marred life, the broken pieces and the broken jar and the life that collapsed in on itself that was a dream but is now a nightmare to come and put it on his potter's wheel and to give your broken dreams to Jesus. And this is what it means for you to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't mean I've got it all perfect now I can follow him. It means it's all been ruined. And I give it to you. And let me tell you what I know about my friend Jesus Christ. He takes broken, marred, imperfect lives where we have missed it and blown it and it's broken and it's over. He takes them and puts it on his wheel and begins something new and begins a new dream and a new life. See, when it means when you give your life to Jesus, that's not a euphemism for going to church. Giving your life to Jesus means that it's not mine anymore, it's his. And because it's his, he's gonna make it beautiful and he's gonna make it awesome. And it may look different than what you expected, but I know my friend and I know what he does. Will you place your life on the potter's wheel with broken hearts and broken dreams? He'll meet you there and heal you of your fear. Let's pray. Father, with your perfect love, the love of Jesus Christ, cast out our fear of missing it, of missing the mark, of missing the dream. And even when our dreams are dashed, we ask that you would make them new as we place our life into your hands. Come and meet us here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand? We're going to light the first candle of Advent. We're going to say a prayer together as a church, and then we're going to sing a song in response to what we just heard. Would you pray this with me on the screen? We light this candle as a symbol of Christ, our hope. May the hope of your goodness faithfulness and redeeming power O oh God shine forth and drive away all our fear O oh come O oh come 
Emmanuel. Amen. We're just going to take a moment of prayer. And right now in this moment that's sacred and holy, um, I feel like I need to give anybody here an opportunity to place your broken life on the potter's wheel. And so just right where you're at in your seat, we're not going to do anything weird. But if that's you in your hearts, I want you to offer up your life to Jesus. Say, take it all. I give my life to you. And if that's you, you can do that now. If you need to extend your hands out, you can do that. You can do whatever you need to do, but just you and him, do that now. I give my life to you. Lord Jesus, you are good and you are faithful to take our broken lives. You always say yes to receive it. Now come do your work and make everything new. And Lord, give us grace to walk in obedience to your command to not be afraid. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, if you need prayer for anything, we have some friends over here who will be willing to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Otherwise, God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.